It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Gregory Hall, Ross Martin, and Greg Barnes for our weekly On The Beat podcast. We are presented, as always, by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. Guys, it's unfortunate that we're having to do another one of these after UNC loss. They fell to Pittsburgh in overtime. You know, to be honest, I don't really want to dwell on that too, too much, guys. I think that the coverage of that has been very extensive. Let's just jump right into Mac Brown's comments. And I kind of want to throw this out to you guys. Greg, let's start with you talking about the red zone offense. I mean, it sounds like that's something that Mac Brown placed a whole lot of emphasis on in the press conference today. Looking at the, the red zone offense, I mean, I can see where he's coming from in terms of not being satisfied with it. You know, do you think that it's fair to expect more from their performance in that aspect of the game at this point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you when you factor in that uh, as, as bad as North Carolina's offense was a year ago, uh, that offense was, was more efficient in the red zone. And North Carolina currently... Uh, converting you know, a little under 49% of their red zone trips and the touchdowns. That's on pace to be the worst at UNC since 2009. Uh, and if you remember back, that was the year that Butch Davis had just incredible defense uh, and the offense was not good whatsoever. Uh, and I, I think kind of the odd dichotomy here is that, I mean, we're, we're talking about an offense that has Sam Howe as your quarterback. Um, How may not make first-team All-ACC quarterback. I would be shocked if he's not ACC Freshman of the Year. And he's just been phenomenal this year. And yet, you've got him as your quarterback, and you're still unable to convert in the red zone. That's a problem. Um, I think when you you look at what they have in terms of uh, their running backs, they've got three really good guys that could probably play anywhere. you got some pretty good options at wide receiver. And we've talked about their inconsistency. And the offensive line has not been great run blocking. We know that's been an issue. They've been pretty good in you know, pass blocking this year. So that's that's going to have to improve in the years to come. But but it really is an issue. When we're talking about so many opportunities for this team where you've got to make a play uh, or maybe two plays or three plays in any given game to win, these are the plays that we're really talking about. And the fact that if you go back to overtime against Virginia Tech, North Carolina has scored one touchdown in the last 10 red zone trips. That is shooting yourself in the foot, and that's a big reason why North Carolina has lost three of the last four, and that's a big reason why North Carolina is no longer in the Coastal Conversation, and that's a big reason why North Carolina yet again will not be competing for the ACC crown, even though a lot of people thought that was a possibility. If you just convert a handful more times in the red zone these last couple of weeks, we're having a completely different conversation right now. 
So, Greg, they have the quarterback, they have the wide receivers, the running backs. The offense line is, is I think, average, if not a little bit above average. So is the issue play calling? I mean, Phil Longo kind of took, um, you know, took the blame, which you would expect a coach to do. But is that really what it is? It's execution maybe? Is that Where do you think the onus falls? Yeah, I think it's execution. And so I think it's also kind of uh, – I hate to, to harp on play calling, uh, but I think he could be yeah. a little bit more creative there. I mean, when you look at the stats, I mean, they've – in those 10 trips, I went back and looked. They've rushed 14 times for 22 yards, and only one of those counts as a sack. Uh, so if we want to even expand from there, you're talking about 13 actual rushes uh, for, I think, 27 yards. That's not good. That's not getting it done. And you have to be better uh, running the ball in the red zone. And that, that primarily is execution. You know, the, the last two uh, drives where they were in the red zone against Pittsburgh, for example, uh, the first play of both those drives were losses by a running back. And so now you're talking like second and 12, second and 11, instead of second and seven, second and six. And those are completely different downs. And that kind of gets you behind the chain. So you have to run the ball better. And that's when you can really see how good an offense is. I mean, you hear a lot of defensive coordinators talk and even dating back to Gene Chizik. Teams are going to eat up yardage in between the 20s. There's just so much space there. Uh, and so you pretty much have to be bad offensively not to be able to move the ball. The really good offenses, though, uh, can either throw the deep ball that Carolina's done efficiently, or once you get into the red zone, you can just kind of grind out yards that you have to have. And North Carolina, time and time again, has not been able to do that. That kind of goes back to what I was saying. Offensive line is really uh, – they've, they've struggled against good defenses, running the ball and, and being consistent despite having some really good backs. And when you're asking Sam Howe to complete passes – uh, with pressure in his face, with, with a short field to operate in, and he's got second and third and long, that's just really tough to do. So, so play calling is part of it for sure, uh, but a lot of that stems from the inability to, to run the ball effectively. And so that's where you have to get creative. It's trying to figure out ways uh, to supplement your power run game so you can pick up at least some yardage and not, not be behind the chain so often. You know, and speaking about being creative on the defensive side, that's also been an issue. And, you know, Jay Bateman, I think he's done a good job given just kind of the the lack of overall talent there. Mac Brown talked about that aspect as well, though, in the press conference, specifically looking at the secondary, because against Pittsburgh, they gave up that long, long pass play. I'm trying to, to look it up right now. Greg, how long was that one for? Was it the like a 60? No, no, 74 yards, right? It was a 74-yard touchdown, one play. Correct, uh, yes. Yeah, and, you know, the secondary is just full of, of underclassmen. You know, Gregory, when you're looking at it, it's not really an excuse, but according to Mac Brown, they're looking to start three freshmen in the secondary, but then he says that Bateman's limited because of the inexperience. So, you know, does that come across to you as kind of an excuse, but not an excuse, but it really is an excuse? What's your take on that? I mean, it, it is an excuse. It's a valid one. But I mean, like Mac has said, like Bateman said, I mean, you got to live with it. And they haven't really been able to, I guess, fix it. Um, I mean, we've got two games left in the season. And Bateman said the, the three main issues um, are they're not talking, mistackling, um, and then not closing on that three. I mean, that 
secondary coverage on that 74 yard touchdown was three deep um, and they still got it. So, I mean, that's, and that's just like one specific glaring issue, but then, I mean, Bateman's said not talking and mistackling. We were talking week one and week two about, about missed tackles. Um, I mean, some people have overcome them. Others haven't. It seems like it hasn't really overall been fixed. Um, and then the not talking, I think, is the largest, like the most glaring issue. Like, well, how is that not different? Because, yes, they are young guys playing, but most of them have played since week one. Um, some of them have come in week three, week four, later with injuries and things like that. But, I mean, they've played almost a, two-thirds a season, if not a full, like almost a full season. Um, so, I mean, it's, yes, it's an excuse, but, I mean, it's something that, I mean, they, they're living with, they're playing. It's not like they can go, uh, Mac made the joke, I don't remember when specifically, but they don't have, there's no waiver wire. They can't go pick someone up. There's no trades, um, things like that. Like, their team is their team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, secondary, they're still super high on the secondary moving forward. I mean, that's been obvious since week one. Um, it's part of why Don Chapman, a uh, true freshman, is getting the start on Saturday. Um, he's kind of proven himself. And when you asked, Bate, asked Bateman earlier in the year about these guys, I mean, he's he's glowing reviews on Don Chapman, on Cam Kelly. Uh, Mac mentioned the two transfers that are coming in that had to sit out, uh, Kyler McMichael and Bryce Watts. And so, like, the a lot of the talk around the press conference today was looking ahead at the future. Um, because they understand that these young guys are playing now and um, they're just kind of having to, I mean, Bateman didn't want to call them a lot, didn't want to call it a liability, but it's still something that they need to protect in coverages. Um, And he mentioned that they're, because they're younger and they're not as, I guess, reactive, that they're having to focus on coverage. So then when there's a play, when there's a run, even though they're following the man coverage with their receivers, then they can't, they're farther from make, being able to make that tackle because they have to stay committed to coverage so they don't get burned just in case it is a pass. It's like, it's things like this that veterans don't have to do and they can make more plays. But yeah, so it's, I mean, the secondary, the future's bright as far as looking ahead, but yeah, there's some issues and it's an excuse. Yeah, I think we can get into the uh, future a little bit later in the podcast because I think, yeah, he did talk about that a lot and I'm writing about it as well, but. Yeah, I mean, I think the last couple of games, the defense is to blame. I mean, the offense has done enough to score. Sure, they haven't scored in the red zone when they have, um, you know, when they could have to to win games, but they have scored enough, and the defense has to allow the other team to put up, you know, a lot of points. You look back, Virginia Tech was up forty three points, Virginia was thirty eight, Pittsburgh was thirty four. So, I mean, I, I think the defense has been to blame in the in the most recent losses. Obviously, against Duke, the defense was great. Against Clemson, it was great. But in the um, the last three losses, yeah, they, I think the defensive secondary has gotten hit and hit and hit, and the injuries there have really affected that. And, um, you know, they, they're not as deep on the defensive lines either. So that's kind of been the issue from my perspective um, in the last couple of games. In line with that, Ross, UNC is facing a Mercer team on Saturday that is just not good. I mean, their last game was a 41-7 to loss to Woford. They are 4-7 and overall. To me, it's a game that the defense just has to basically pitch a shutout or, I mean, at least hold them to under 10 points. If Mercer comes out and maybe manages to put one or two touchdowns on the board, do you think that that's a concern at this point in the season? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if – I think UNC will look to play a lot of people in this game. And so I don't know if the score is going to be indicative of how dominant UNC is. I, I'm not going to be worried if Mercer scores 21 points or something like that. Um, really? Kind of, even even against like UNC secondary? I mean, I don't know. I think that the talent discrepancy is just this high in the game where I think you have to have some high expectations for them going out and really putting Mercer away. Yeah, I mean, you would hope the offense would put up 50, 60 points, but if the defense, if they put a lot of the uh, second-team, third-string players in, then I'm not going to look at that score as much as, as once the game is already over. Maybe in the first half, they you know it's it's they haven't scored, and in the first quarter, second quarter, then you're like, all right, then we can then you can let let go and let the uh, the second, third-team players uh, play more. So that's more I look to. How much? I don't think there's going to be a concern about UNC losing this game. So you look to prepare for next season. You get Jill Taylor and Zach Gill, and uh, Raymond Vohasek, a lot more reps, get a lot of the guys in secondary more reps, and just look to build, use this game to build towards next season and rest your starters for the NC State game because that's a game you have to really focus on. Um, I don't think there should be any concern about it. You look at the Wofford score, look at the schedule right now, they've lost some pretty bad teams. Greg, I want to get your take on that, but real quick, let's take a brief moment to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill for the Mercer game, or if you're going to be on campus for any one of the upcoming games, they've got the basketball season starting off, but a lot of Olympic sports are also going on right now. Make sure that you swing by Franklin Street where you can visit their location there. They've been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service, and they have everything that you could want for the Tar Heel fan and your family. The holiday season is right around the corner, so make sure that you pick up some gifts. They have hundreds, if not thousands, of different items to choose from. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you can always shop at GiantT-Shirt.com. And if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders, either there online at GiantT-Shirt.com or on Franklin Street. So that's GiantT-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. You know, Greg, I think that was an interesting point that Ross brought up about, you know, the offense also needing to really put a whole lot of points on Mercer. Where do you come down on that? Do you think that you would be more worried if the offense maybe struggled to get going or that the defense could struggle to actually close them out and maybe pitch a shutout? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Ross in that I'm not really worried about the the actual score. Um, I think I think what you're going to see here is they need to give – their key guys as much rest as possible. Um, the the difficult spot North Carolina's in is that you have to win this game. Right? You can't screw around and let it be close late. So you'll see the starters play, and the hope is to you know, see North Carolina take a significant lead in the halftime. You know, whether that's thirty five seven, thirty five fourteen, whatever. Uh, you know, as, as Ross said, Mercer's got some some pretty bad scores on their on their schedule, uh, but because of the depth issues. I mean, you're going to get guys uh, more reps in the second half, provided you've got a decent lead. Um, but that's not necessarily the case like a quarterback. I mean, Amendola, if North Carolina has a big lead, he will certainly play. But I don't think you pull Sam Howe at halftime. I don't think you can. You can't put a walk-in in there for an entire second half unless you just have like a you know five, six touchdown lead. So you probably see Howe play into the fourth quarter, uh, and then maybe at that point, if the lead's significant, you can you can pull him out. Um, but I think the key here is just to make sure you win. And as long as you've got a two or three touchdown margin in the third and fourth quarters, you're going to see a lot of guys play. Uh, you know, Even to the point, it's not necessarily guys that you're going to count on for the future. It's just to give your starters rest. 
uh, and, and let those guys heal up as much as they can before that NC State game, uh, which is going to be a grind. And that's going to be a physical game like it always is. That'll be a fun one. Uh, but that's really what you're looking for here. Guarantee yourself a win and then give your guys as much opportunity to rest as possible. And as long as you win by seven points, uh, I think you're happy. It may not look good, but at this point in time, who cares? Just take the victory, move on, uh, and try to beat NC State for the for the chance to go to a bowl game. I think something that's important for this game is if the offense and defense can finally play together. That's been something that Mac has wanted to see since, I mean, the first quarter of the season. Um, the offense will go down, march down and score. Then the defense will allow a score where the defense will get a stop. And then the offense gets a three and out. Um, so I think against a lesser talent, I, I, I don't agree with Greg to the point where if Carolina only wins by seven, you're happy just because, I mean, that's just, I mean, for a state to go looking ahead to state for a state, I was being team, a little, a little facetious, give me a little bit of <laughs> For a state team that's, I mean, hasn't had a great season, they've lost four in a row. If they see UNC only beats Mercer by, okay, I'll give you two touchdowns, Greg. I think there's even that's even more blood in the water for state. And then you've got to, I mean, I think just adds to the game already for the state game. I think the coaches need to see that the offense and defense have listened to what they've been preaching in practice, and that's working together, putting complete game. Um, and I, I think that starts with jumping out early. Um, defense holding them, so then yes, those other guys can play in the the second half and can get some um, non-starters in there and even some third strings and see so see the the Vincent Amendola show late late in the game. I mean, I think a big point here, you know, we're trying to we're trying to talk about mercy here, but the the wind has really been taken out of the sails of this team, and uh, I don't know if yeah. we want to talk about that, but like there's not there's not much hype anymore. You know, obviously it comes down to these last two games to get to a bowl, but. You know, before the Virginia game, there was so much interest in that game, and losing that one in a hard-fought battle was was a tough knock to the season, and losing a pit, and I think the kind of you know it's it's that mid to late November doldrums of the season where you know it's going to come down to that last game to get the bowl game, which is great, and I think it's it would be remiss us for not to say that six and six I think is a great first year for Mac Brown, and I think what a lot of us predicted. Even on the optimistic side, you know, getting the six wins was the goal and would be a, a really positive start. But I think we were given some – some um, the winning those first two games kind of raised the expectations a little bit too much. And then it's kind of been downhill from there. And, you know, Clemson was, was a really solid kind of um, moral victory. And then obviously Duke game was, was really good for the players, I think, to get to beat Duke and get that win. But kind of since then, Virginia Tech and – Virginia and Pitt, it's kind of been downhill from there. So get the two wins and then get to next season. I think it kind of leads to what a lot of the conversation was about today was kind of looking towards next year. And it seems like Mac is already selling the hope of these recruiting classes and uh, and kind of building towards what, what should be a little bit better 2021 or 20. And then I think a really good 2021. Yeah, well, I mean, with the students, I mean, with the well, – I don't remember what the last home game was. Virginia? People like assumed like people were saying that that was their last home game as far as seniors go. Like I don't like a lot of people aren't even counting Mercer like as a game. So I mean I know they were talking today about how there's like less than 150 tickets left, 
for a sellout and the the blue seats might be filled but i would not be surprised if the student section there are people there for the first quarter and then as soon as it's a big league they're a big lead they're out of there i mean which is normal across football but the as far as students minds go other than maybe a few maybe a hardcore uh hardcore fans like the minds like they're on to football so like as far as when you're talking about wind out of the sails that's definitely moving looking ahead the students aren't really into it anymore and the recent losses have caused that well i think mac brown is cognizant of that because he challenged the the crowd to go ahead and sell out mercer it is senior day the weather will probably be okay so i do hope that the crowd is there and loud it, it hopefully will be a blowout so you will probably see some fans maybe leaving a little bit later on in that one but like you said ross i mean he is very keen on selling the future i think he mentioned that they are bringing in 12 early enrollees in january and speaking about the defense he said quote here a lot of the incoming freshmen on defense will need to play and play early so greg what do you think about that aspect of coach brown basically just saying look guys we're going to have a young defense but he also caveated that with the fact that with Sam Howell at the helm, they have a very positive future. I think it's a savvy mood to kind of keep the fan base energized, even though at this point, yeah, the record is probably what a lot of us expected. But I think it's how they got here that's caused some fans to become a little bit more negative on the team than what we saw early on. Well, let's kind of take a step back and, and look at kind of how he's approached all this. Um we reported back in the back in the summer, and if you've been a member of the Tar Heel Tar Pit Premium Board, you've seen this dating back to really, I guess, July. But he was telling people behind the scenes, so we're told, you know, this is probably about a six and sixteen, and that was before you know, he had an idea of what Sam Howe could do. It was also before the injuries crept up. But I think that's a a pretty legitimate, uh, you know projection for this team. That's what a lot of us picked. We figured, yeah, this team, they get to a bowl game, it's a good year, right? And when you compare and contrast that with how other coaches have have taken over programs, one of the things that Willie Taggart got himself in trouble with coming into Florida State is from day one, he said, we're going to win, we're going to win immediately, we're going to be good from the start. And that was not how that team was set up when he took over. That was a rebuild job. But because he put so much emphasis on, look, we're going to do it now, when things fell apart, then he starts saying, okay, well, I was I misspoke. Now, now we're going to start winning. And people are like, wait a minute, you said that last year. And you look at Scott Satterfield at Louisville, what'd he say? Look, you know, a, a lot of things have to change here. I've got my own kind of culture. We're going to be doing things differently. It's a process. You know, we hope to get better this year. We will get better, but it's not going to be great. And so people see the success at Louisville side and like, wow, he told us it was going to be tough, but they're, they're actually playing pretty well. Now they're going to a bowl game. And so Mac really kind of balanced those things out because I think when he came in, he understood that North Carolina had significant injuries the past two years. And if North Carolina doesn't have those injuries, that's probably a bowl team. And I think that's one of the reasons he came back is that he knew that you know, from the get-go, he's got a pretty good team on his hands. Not a great team but a bowl team. And I think North Carolina probably goes to the bowl game this year. Uh, so when he came in and said, look, we want to win right now for these seniors, he meant that because I think he understood the importance of if you can win enough to get to a bowl game, 
I mean, all of a sudden, people are saying, wow, they won five games in two years, and now they've won six. A little bit of smoke and mirrors because of the injury situation, but he's had injuries this year as well. Uh, so, so maybe not not as much as uh, it may have seemed otherwise. But if you get to a bowl game, now all of a sudden, you know, I think a lot of us thought this, get to a bowl game, get those 15 extra practices, you build some goodwill with the fan base. Now you should probably win eight games, seven, eight games next year. And then what Max say today about 2021? Special, right? And that's in line with what a lot of us have been thinking. You know, by the time Sam Howell is a junior, a lot of these talented kids they've brought in, the first two recruiting classes, are going to be in place. Uh, you're going to have, like, a lot of the offense will be back. A lot of veteran guys uh, within the program. So that could be a very good year that North Carolina could maybe win 10 games, challenge for 10 games, and maybe compete for the ACC title. Uh, so it's all kind of this lengthy process, but I, I think the way he's handled it has been smart. And I think now that North Carolina is out of the Coastal Division race, you know, they're out of the ACC title race, now you're just playing for a bowl game. Um, and so I think it is time to say, look, you know what? We didn't have quite the year we had hoped to have after that 2-0 start. Uh, but let's, let's remember what all we've done. And let's remember what we had to look forward to. Uh, and that's kind of building the culture. And that's one of the reasons I think he's pushing the, the sellout crowd against Mercer. That's not so much about this year. That's about what he wants this program to be and really kind of supporting the seniors, and he wants that moving forward. So not even, you know, one of the issues when he was here last time was it wasn't hard getting fans to the game uh, just when they are winning or just when they were losing. It was hard getting them to games you know, when they are winning there at the end, and I think that kind of frustrated him. So now he wants it where fans are coming out even when we are losing to support the seniors. And that's the way to build culture moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing here is that you have maybe only two more years of Sam Howe, and capitalizing on that is huge. Because I mean, this is a this is a quarterback. I mean, you don't often get a quarterback that is this good. You got to think about how he's going to improve the next two years, and if he does decide to leave early for the NFL draft, twenty twenty one is the year. I do think the defense might take a step back next year. Um, cause I think Strobridge and Crawford are so good and that losing them is going to be, um, it's going to be huge. I mean, seeing that impact of kind of your two most important uh, people in the two most important spots there in the middle of the defense is going to be big, but the linebackers will be great. Um, both Bateman and Mac Brown spoke on the talent they have at linebacker and the starter positions and coming in as freshmen. Um, I guess the sophomores next year are redshirt freshmen next year with the uh, Kaju Jackson and Eugene Asante. And they're going to expect some of the recruits to step in and play a big-time role. Many of the top players in the 2020 recruiting class are defensive linemen, so that will be big. But um, it's kind of like when NFL teams have a rookie quarterback or like a first- or second-year quarterback on the rookie contract. They try to build around him and win and capitalize on that, that ability to get good players around a really stud Young, fresh, young quarterback, and go from there. That's kind of what I feel like. They have a unity has a window here with Sam Howe to to really be to be special, and I think the offense is going to continue to get better. They should be a lot better next year because they don't lose much other than Charlie Heck. I think is the key piece they lose on offense. Um, Plino and Antonio Williams uh, behind that, but the offense is going to be a lot better. They're going to get recruits. Your classes are going to get better and better. And I think twenty one is going to be the year when they can win. You know, ten, eleven games. 
Yeah, that 2021 year is one that I've already heard from several other UNC fans that that's kind of the year that everyone has circled at this point. But let's talk about the aspect of waiting till next year and realistic fans think 2020X or 20 whatever X here in just a second. But for now, let's take a quick commercial break. Hip hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Gregory Hall, Russ Martin, and Greg Barnes. Gregory, let me get your thoughts here, man, on the whole, you know, realistic fans think 2021 or, you know, the the wait till next year thing. Because the UNC football history, just they have some peaks, but a whole lot of valleys. It's It's a tough sell for a fan base to keep on being so positive. And yeah, I think Mac Brown has done a good job of that, even despite UNC stumbling here after that hot start with a two and O to the season. But when you're looking at this from like the, the younger fans, the students perspective, how big of a sell do you think that really is to tell people, look, y'all, we're going to try our best right now, but really in the future is when we're going to be good. I mean, well, Max made the point about, stats individual and team stats and like they don't really matter and all that matters is winning and matt can sell the future all he wants but as far as students and the younger generation i mean they're been so spoiled with basketball even when, when the basketball team's not winning people were like um what like this isn't what's supposed to happen and with football it's the opposite effect um, so used to losing that when they start winning, people get, they just, they jump on, they're all for it. And they're like, let's go, let's go. This is fun. This is great. Which we saw with the two and O start. And then we felt, oh, did, we lost the app state. They lost to Clemson. And it was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it beat Duke and it was super exciting and all that stuff. And then lost, uh, what, four of the last six. And now the energy has gone again. So as far as the future goes, Based off this season, if they if they win six games, then yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a victory as far as students are concerned. And then next season, they might expect, all right, we won six games last year, and it was first year Matt. We should be winning eight minimum. Um, I've heard people talking about that and things, and I mean, our schedule is a little a little tougher. I mean, you've got, I mean, maybe not as tough as Auburn and UCF and whatnot, but. I mean, I think the expectation for next season is 2020 is the year. Forget about 2021. Like people expect winning now. Um, and if they keep to lose, if they lose, the energy is going to be gone. But that's just where the fan base is at as far as you know, my uh, young compadres. 
All right, Greg, let me give you the final word here. How long do you think Coach Brown can keep up the Realistic Fans Think 2021? And is there a breaking point where you think fans will eventually get tired of hearing that? Because, I mean, like Gregory said, they had some momentum this year. Unfortunately, it fell flat. How much goodwill do you think Coach Brown really has here? Well, I think it just it kind of goes back to the uh, knowledge of the fan in question, to be honest with you. Um, I think this has been a, a situation that we, we've laid out as best as we we've could over the last year, that you know, there's a lot of reasons that Larry Fedora was shown the door. I think one primary one was that recruiting had really fallen off. And while he always kind of recruited well offensively, except for a quarterback last couple of years, uh, defensive issues uh, were prevalent. And that's kind of been the case. And so I think when Mac came in, everybody understands that from the, the first time Mac was here, he's going to recruit. That's never been an issue for him. Uh, the issue for him has, has been more the you know, first time he had a hard time you know, getting a, a good offensive line because defensive linemen grow on trees in, in North Carolina for whatever reason. And offensive linemen are harder to come by. Uh, but provided they get that issue resolved, which I'll, I think you know they'll be able to uh, pick and pluck from from various other states, that's going to take care of your talent issue, and then it's just a matter of schematics. And I think everybody has seen enough in Jay Bateman to think that he can be successful uh, as long as he's here. And while there are some questions about Phil Longo, um, you know he's he's been pretty good. And so I think there's reason to say, hey, this is not going to be an immediate turnaround. It is a rebuild. Uh, but give him a couple years and things should be good. And I think the other aspect, too, is most people are not expecting Mac Brown to be the head coach for a long time, right? Now, I think kind of the there's a two, two-part two aspect of this is, you know, Mac's going to try to get the team turned around and get the team competing for ACC titles, you know, in a short span. So say, you know, four or five years down the road, you would think you could have preseason conversations about, okay, can they win it this year? But beyond that, you're hoping that Mac Brown can build up the program to where when he finally does decide to retire, that it's going to be an incredibly attractive job for anybody. Cause they're going to say, look, uh, the team is stacked with talent. Uh, that's a good recruiting base there in North Carolina. Uh, and, and the fan base is engaged now. And so it's an easy job to kind of walk into uh, Dick Bedore screwed that up. Uh, the first time Mac left, uh, Bedore is no longer athletic director. You would think if Bubba's still here, he'd be able to manage that a little bit more effectively. Uh, and then, so you, you've got different aspects, kind of different benchmarks that you're trying to hit. And I think most reasonable and, and rational fans understand that, and they'll they'll enjoy the process, knowing that it may be a little bit down the road before they start seeing the results. But if they hold tight and support the team, uh, there's potential for for really good success and a lot of fun for, for this fan base in the years to come. All right, great stuff, guys. And don't forget that for this week's IC Ticket giveaway, the code is 1925. That's 1925. You can enter that on the football message boards to win two seats right next to Inside Carolina's very own Buck Sanders, very close to Tommy Ashley. So if you don't have tickets to the Mercer game, it's a great way to get it. Again, that code is 1925. Let's go ahead and call this one to an end. Thanks for talking to me, and we'll speak again soon. See you, John. 
Thank you, John. Bye, John. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.